When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In March of 2020, Carlos Vieira, owner and founder of KDD Media Company, wrote a memoir about his own personal struggles entitled Knocking Doors Down. In his book, he relives his experiences as a drug addict and the ultimate path that helped to save his life. 100% of all sales of this book are donated to the Carlos Vieira Foundation's Race to Be Drug Free campaign. Go to kddmediacompany.com to pick up a copy for you or a loved one in need of inspiration and motivation. Also available on Amazon in hardcover, paperback, and ebook. All right, all right. Damn it, Mikey, we need a fly swatter in here. <laughs> We're rolling. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice. knocking doors down, and uh, a damn fly made me go into Clint Eastwood mode. Damn son of a bitch and flies always flying around here. Just need a swatter. Get rid of them. Can you situate your mic so we can do get this? this thing situated over here. All right. Should be good. All right. What's up, everybody? <laughs> Uh, Jason and Mikey here on Knocking Doors Down. Looking looking dapper as always. Well, Fabulously you know, tattooed. I try. I try. Hey, we got a great episode for you guys. We're going to be talking to David Siegel, a Marine Corps veteran who uh, also uh, he suffered from PTSD and still has some lasting effects, but hasn't prevented him from knocking doors down. We'll talk about how he's gone on to have a successful home life, an amazing family, as well as uh, he started his own clothing company uh, in conjunction Mammoth. with his uh, passion for powerlifting. Mammoth. <laughs> Mammoth. But what I want to talk about, Mikey, before we get that rolling is the necessity of failure. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about this a lot as uh, we continue to do all these podcasts, and it was something actually Brandon Novak uh, posted on uh, his social media, which if you haven't caught that episode, go back and listen to the Brandon Novak episode. It's it's phenomenal. But uh, about failure and failing over and over and over, and uh, you know, those of us that are addicts or those of us that are entrepreneurs or whatever it is, you, you know. We've kind of gotten to a point in society where like failure is not an option. I think there's even a saying of that. Failure is not an option. No, failure is a necessity. Yeah. And so how do you think of it in terms of your life and where you're at now as far as failures? Because it kind of goes back to the idea of lessons learned backwards, life lived forward. Failure, you need to have had that in order to, okay, gone through failure, don't want to do that again. What can I do to fix it? How can I change that to get to where I need to be? So it's like you need to go through one in order to get to the place where you ultimately want to be. Yeah. And and we we kind of through the process of failure, I think one thing that I've been terrible at, and it's a skill that I've had to begin adapting is that I have no grace of myself especially and i and and i think men were hard on ourselves um you know like women have so many different stigmas and body shaming and i gotta look like this and i gotta do this and to be the perfect mom or whatever it is there's so many things and i think for men too that that inability to have grace towards ourselves to accept we are gonna fail it's it's okay uh it's a necessary part of life and it doesn't make you any less manly either because you fail. And I'm speaking from my personal experience and things that I've been going through uh, 
all my life, let alone as of late, mm-hmm. in trying to uh, continue to grow, to knock doors down, to expand myself as a person. Yeah, helps growth. Absolutely. Completely yeah. agree with that. And one of the things I thought about it when it comes to failure, that maybe this is insightful for all of you listening, uh, think about when we are little, we begin to fail as a part of our learning process right away. I was thinking about my kids when I was uh, pondering failure this morning and watching them learn to walk and fall on their butts and fall on their faces and the crying and the sad face and the, you know, ah, it's okay. You got to stick with it or teaching my daughter how to ride her bike or whatever it is that uh, from the time we're born, failure is just a part of our growth as humans. So if we're not going to be gracious of our failures, we can't ask anyone else to be either. So I encourage you when you think about the word failure, that it is a pathway to a success and then another set of failures, be it sobriety that you're seeking, be it overcoming any other mental or emotional stuff that sometimes it's just a necessary part of the process to fail to grow. And that's just part of those lessons and what works for you is unique to you and and it's a good thing. Yeah, life lessons for sure. Helps one grow as a person. Well, if you want some interesting insight on some life lessons, make sure that you are checking out Carlos Vieira's book. If you have yet to get a copy of Knocking Doors Down, which, uh, man, he goes in-depth into his life of addiction, how he got there, how he got out, and how he's been transformed and living a totally different life. And it definitely highlights a lot of his failures that led to eventual successes and that momentum of success after success after success. So uh, make sure you guys check it out by going to kddmediacompany.com. You can get the link to buy it there or the ebook through Amazon and so much more. Mikey, we'll be back with our brother, David Siegel. 5150 is a lifestyle. We believe in pushing yourself, finding your passion, knowing your dreams, and working hard, always striving to make those dreams a reality. We believe life's too short to sit back and say, what if? Go after it, grab it, and make it happen. Being 5150 is committing to that long, hard road ahead that you know is going to be tough, but the most rewarding. That's living the madness. That's 5150. If you're living the 5150 lifestyle, then celebrate by rocking the goods. Listeners of Knocking Doors Down, head over to 5150ltm.com. That website again, 51FIFTYLTM.com. Our guest with us now, Mr. David Siegel. What is going on, my good friend? Of just nothing but good times. Nothing but good times. Uh, so, uh, David, we already filled people in on your background, having served in the Marine Corps, coming back home and finding those effects of, uh, of PTSD, and now the, the we're going to get into the cool things you're doing now, doing the power lifting, some of those great goals you're achieving, and, and your encouragement for other people that have suffered with PTSD. So uh, give us a little bit of, of uh, background, you know, where did... Uh, was was the Marine Corps and service always in sight? I know when I was a kid, I wanted to jump into the Army, but uh, I failed. I, I did very well on the ASVAB, failed the physical. Uh, but, you know, were you, were you into athletic competition? Were you somebody that was always about a challenge from all ages? Was it encouraged with the family? Damn it. I had it, uh, I had it completely backwards. I was dumb as shit, but uh, <laughs> I was great athletically. Um, I come from a family that was in the Navy since uh, boats existed and uh, I was the jerk that went to the Marines instead of the Navy and I what it was played sports all through high school and grew up you know martial arts and being athletic and working on cars just loved being out and doing things and I just needed more of a challenge sure talked to all the recruiters did all the diligence 
the Marines just made it sound uh, more tasteful. Mm-hmm. So I went for what I thought was the challenge. At the time, I joined the Marine Corps in the end of 99. There was no 9-11. There was no you know, right. crazy threat that we thought of. So I thought I was just going to go shoot all the coolest weapons, travel the world, and get paid to do it. And it started that way. And then 9-11 happened and everything got pretty serious. Oh, shit. Yeah, what was was going on with you uh, personally at the time that that you entered, uh, that 9-11 hit? Um, For you as as far as was there, you know, any uh, family on the horizon, marriage, those kind of things going on? Or were you just kind of enjoying that, that point in life of... You know, here I am being in the service. I came from a background of family. Of course, they're like, the Marines, come on, we're all Navy. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Did, did you get flack from the family first, I, your I, folks and, and, and uncles and stuff? Um, I got a lot of crap, actually. Uh, they weren't super stoked about it. Uh, I like, like I said earlier, I was the jerk because that's not what you do. My family, that's not what you do. <laughs> but I, I wanted what I wanted and what was best for me, and you just got to do that. So when I joined... Uh, I just assumed that's what I'm going to do and I'm going to be in and I'm enjoying this. And 9-11 happened and training doubled down and we got twice as serious on everything. And then uh, about mid-2002, training got really specific. Sure. And uh, come January 2003, I'm in Kuwait and we're just waiting for, you know, waiting to get left off the off the leash. Yeah. And... You know, things hit the fan. My unit cleared over into the border and got got hot and heavy into the war and all that. Uh, Got through the first deployment. I got back in September 2003. Uh, Not long later, uh, my son's mother, who at the time was just, you know, some girl I met, that became, uh, I got her, I hate saying it like that, got pregnant and we were going to have identical twin boys and uh that was september so by then that was probably like november at that point they already told us january we're going to be right back in iraq but in a whole different way sure so training etc january there i am right back in iraq and we were taking over for an army unit on the border of Syria, Syria, and it was just hot and heavy and crazy as hell. And in the process, you know, I'm calling home, but you can only call home like once a week maybe sure. because it's a sat phone and satellite phones, you know, they're more expensive and there's a thousand Marines in a battalion. Well, you know, they only get like 10, 15 minutes for a phone call sure. once or twice a week. So I'll call home when I can. And I was reading, you know, the dad books. You know, I'm going to be a dad and all this stuff. And yeah. So amidst all that, you're, you're talking maybe once or twice a week, uh, at least maybe once a week, if you're lucky. You're expecting to be a father to twins, to identical twins. The, the, their mom is at home. You're not only sitting there and trying to, you know, whatever break reprieve that you can get because – you know, I like to paint the picture for people as they don't understand everything that you're going through and the kinds of shifts that you and your fellow sh- soldiers are enduring. And when you say hot and heavy, that means that there is active fire on the ground. Oh, every day. Patrols, six, seven, eight or more hours at a time. Patrols, uh, roadblocks, uh, stop and search, uh, you name it. 
the first day that we were on that second tour, we took heavy fire and casualties the first day within the, I mean, the first tour. So right off the bat, I mean, it was crazy. So when you have, as an example, when you go out on a patrol at four or five in the morning, you're out there before they're awake, before they pray, before everything, you get hit hard. And then now you have to think, you know, my my best friend Jason just took, you know, a bunch of shrapnel, his arms broken, you know, blah, 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 right. things like that. Well, no, you still have the rest of the day. Yeah. That does not matter. Your patrol know, doesn't end. Yeah, I just saw Jason die, but move the hell along. You have a job to do. Yeah. So you can't just go cower inside and just chill and Xbox it out and you'll be fine tomorrow. No, I still had the rest of a patrol or, you know, secure the area. There's stuff going on. So you have to learn to cope with things. So, do you really think that it, it's a situation that you're it's it's the the that cope is the right word or you just have to be willing to maintain a sense of sanity to continue on with the with the mission at hand because you're not really able to you, were you able to actually win someone because you lost several close people to you were you actually able to cope within that time or it wasn't an option because you couldn't keep going really at that time you you don't have a choice i mean you're it's everything is so drilled in uh when we're over there everything is just a hundred percent like it's like training yeah you know it's it's you, you get into training and this is what we do in this situation this is what you always have done in this situation and you just i don't want to say you go through the motions that's not what i mean but you just lock into well, I know this is what I do. Yeah. Well, and, and, and it's, it's like anything with probably any kind of sport or someone that maybe you've had a, to take an invasive action while driving and the training kicks in to kind of let people know. Or, you know, I know for me, like in basketball, my best game ever. And I don't know about you, Mikey, with it. I know you did a lot of skateboarding where mm -hmm. it was like, wow, I did that thing. And I didn't even think I could do that, but I've attempted or, or whatever it is so many times and the and the, the 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 constant rhythm of it and the the brain is an amazing thing that it just took over yeah so yeah, you're almost living in that mode yeah pretty much muscle memory and you're just going through it and i mean you don't even realize it you're just going through it because you know it and there's some of those days when you want to go back to your cot to your little area whatever it is uh and you just kind of want to put on some music and you know, write some letters because, of course, when I was over there in 2004, I can't just get on the internet. And of course, in a combat zone, it, they wouldn't let you anyway. Right. But you want to be able to express yourself so you don't go crazy. Can't tell anyone because, for example, if you were to die, I can't call your sister uh, today right. and say, hey, because they have a process for you finding out the right way. So you can't just tell anyone. They monitor things, so you can't just tell your wife, right. oh, my God, today, blah, blah, blah. So when I would get my chance to call home once or twice a week, that was my chance to have a happy moment where I could feel like I was not in the middle of a stinky country, and I was home. Right. And I also, in 15 minutes, had to squeeze in a call with my girlfriend and hopefully my mom. You know, so I had to try and make two different phone calls. And at the same time, I have 
two other dudes in line behind me and they're trying not to stare at you because they're waiting for their phone call. Yeah. And when you're over there, I mean, you, the bases get attacked around the clock. You never know what's gonna happen. If something happens, you gotta put the phone down and you gotta get going and do other things. Or you have to do an after patrol debrief, which could take a while. Or you need, you know I mean, there's so much to do. When you do get downtime sometimes, you're either playing bones, you're playing spades, or you're going to sleep. Yeah. Uh, and so little things like those phone calls mean more than a care package. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Just to hear- Hearing the voice. Your voice. Yeah. You know, when I've just been over here for so long, and when you think about it in the span of it, in a couple months, it's not that bad. But when I don't know if I'm going to see you again, mm -hmm. that's when you really think, oh, wow. You know, like when I turned 18, I never thought I was going to have to write a living will mm -hmm. and give my mom everything I own just in case I don't come back. So it was such a, a, a you know, a mind. Yeah, it's mind fuck. Yeah. It's uh, so you just learned. I don't want to say brush it aside, but with so much mental. It's like bottle it. Stuff keep it on. on. Yeah. Like yeah. For, no, seriously so much happened in 2003 and 2004 for me i didn't really digest a lot of it for years mm -hmm. yeah. i didn't realize i had post-traumatic stress disorder until probably 2009 <clears throat> mm -hmm. sure when i finally went and got checked out by the va and of course you go through the 2000 questions and then you talk to the counselor and then you talk to another counselor and you go through all the processes and they say, well, you have mild to severe post-traumatic stress disorder and uh, uh, low-grade TBI, brain bruising. Mm. Okay. And they said, does this ex explain anything? And I said, well, it explains a lot. Yeah. The behavior from 2005 to 2009. And I'm like, well, no wonder. And in that meantime, I was married to my son's mom. So, so how long were you? Did you remain? You did two tours over there. Yeah. So what? What? And when did you come back? Um, I got out in July two thousand four. Okay. So how long did it take till the process? So that was that was I'm completely done. I am home. Yeah, July that was two thousand four. I'm done. Okay. So when you get back, what are the circumstances when you're faced back faced with when coming back in July of two thousand and four? Because not only, obviously, the casualties that took place of fellow soldiers, um, I'm assuming because under fire, it's probably a situation you don't need to confirm or deny that there was enemies and because of saving your fellow soldiers in your lives that other, the enemy lives were taken. So you have all these things and you come home on top of that. So what was, what were you faced with in 2004? Because I want people to really understand the going from that type of life they don't understand that 24 7 that any little yeah. thing would wake you up that any little thing was a threat that anything that you were constantly for a for a high duration of time on high alert when you were there you're on high alert constantly but you're there for how how, how long was the last tour um the last one uh for me it would have went to september but my four-year uh contract expired in july Sure. So they just had me come home. So, but what I mean but is that yeah, last so time you were there, how many months was that? January to July, so seven. So seven months yeah. of living that that way. I of, can't even imagine. So, 
Um, so you come home in July, 2000. Um, so I came home in July, and I mean, you don't really know what to expect because I'm living your way for four years, how you want it, when you want it. Right. I'm here when you tell me to be here. You know what I mean? That's just how it is. And then all of a sudden, okay, so now I can do what I want. Right. I don't have to be back in two days at five in the morning. Okay, cool. All right. Um, so initially, exciting. Yeah. I don't know what to do. I, I can do what I want. Okay, I'm not going to shave for a couple of days. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm not going to cut my hair. Sleep in I don't want to worry yeah. about ironing my, uh, my clothes yeah. or yeah. whatever. <laughs> but I first started noticing it. Um, the PTSD, it, it would creep up on me uh, when I was with my ex on a few times we were going, I remember the first time we were going from Atwater to Modesto and I was driving and I, I don't want to say I, like I had a moment Sure. and I don't want to say I freaked out cause that's not the word I'm looking for, but I could not handle driving because over there, you know, you're a certain amount of meter uh, meters dispersed, you know, you're not too close to the other vehicle, right? Because you got to have room to react if there's an IED if you're too close, then obviously they'll take out both of your vehicles. Yeah. So you just get used to driving a certain amount apart and, you know, in the middle of the road because the IEDs, they'll bury them under the surface. You can't see them. So you don't drive next to the, the edge of the road. You drive in the middle of the road. Right. I can't just do that on the freeway, <laughs> you know, so I can't just straddle the center of every single road. So I didn't realize it was an issue until I'm on northbound 99 in california and i'm i find myself trying to straddle the center of the road and i i just started sweating and i pulled over and i told uh my ex i said you've got to drive or you can take us home or something i said i can't do this and she didn't quite understand i mean like she understood but i don't think she quite understood how severe it was at the time and the more I've thought about it over the years, I didn't realize how the the PTSD just set in and it set in really hard and I didn't see it coming and I didn't think much about it because overseas, they tell you, you know, some of you are gonna have issues with this, some of you won't. Um, when you shoot someone, some of you are gonna have a problem with that. Some of you it's not going to be much of anything. Right. And I think nothing of it because at the time overseas, everything for me was fine. I didn't react weird. I didn't have a hard time. But then when I got out and these things just happened, yeah, I didn't really know how to respond to it. And it kind of freaked me out. So when you're driving down the freeway and you get what, is it almost kind of like an anxiety attack type deal? I guess so. Yeah. Okay. It, I mean, I you just get it's like super nervous mm-hmm. and my uh awareness and every just the senses become really high everything like i don't want to say like spider-man yeah you know, well, but but that's fighting sense uh, but i was you know i'm looking i don't want to say frantically but i'm looking in my side mirrors and i'm probably looking like you were in someone. total fight or flight mode because you were in a constant state of it yeah for seven months where that was the, the there was not a a waking or sleeping moment of not being in that constant state yeah. of fight or flight, survive, protect yourself. And so here it is. This is like the first inkling of it. Yeah. 
And so that was the first real big thing. And, and what I, I probably saw something on the side of the freeway or something, just a piece of trash or something, but whatever it was, it set me into that moment. Sure. Super hard. Yeah. And uh, I just didn't know what the hell to do about it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that was the first real big moment of, oh damn, like they weren't kidding. Yeah. Like something happens and something changes. And it, it kind of made me think of um, like a lot of the Vietnam vets, yes. the same thing. Some people think that, you know, they're really cold or they can be really hard and some of their reactions and I got it. And as I've had more experiences, I get it. Yeah. Now, what, what uh, subsequently out of that, what were some of the things that started to result in, in your personal life? Because you had mentioned, uh, you know, that uh, your, your ex it was twins was expected <laughs> when you were overseas. Uh, what was going on now that you were home, family life, uh, you know, were, were you starting to find a way to prosper with job prospects, uh, new career path, family growth? Or was there stuff that as it set in more and more, you were turned into a little bit more negativity, um, chemical dependency or excess usage or? That was, um, that was one of the hard parts to touch on that was uh, while I was over there, uh, the identical twin boys died. Uh, and I had to deal with that right after getting off a of patrol where a few of my Marines died. So it was just, it was just kind of the worst thing. And that I remember that evening uh, I had a talk with one of our officers and I told him, you know, you know, sir, I just got off this patrol right now. And, and I called my family back home and I basically, I told him everything that was going on and he knew the patrol I was on because he sent us on it. And he says, well, it sounds like you kind of got a lot on your mind, but, uh, you just need to get ready and roll on. Yeah. And in my mind, I just kind of thought, uh, that's extremely cold yeah kind of like even in some moments it's okay to have a heart i wasn't looking for a shoulder to cry on but i was just trying to digest everything i just lost the children i was excited to have uh i lost friends all in the same moments literally world apart yeah and i'm in the middle and i have to just shuffle on into the next moment of what i'm doing and uh, that carried over to where, uh, granted, my children never had a chance to really live, but it set such a huge, uh, mm, I don't know, it, it was such a, a huge mental moment for me between that at the same time of losing friends, worlds apart, uh, it really crashed on me mentally. And to this day, it's still... Uh, I take it extremely serious. I still go to the grave site and I see them and I still deal with my friends. And that's kind of what I meant with, with other older vets. Like I get it. Like I I get why you still hold some of these real painful situations. I had two really rough situations within hours that changed the course of my entire life. And within the few minutes and I just had to, shove on and put it away and that kind of always always kind of stuck with me and in a way maybe it helped maybe it helped make me a more mentally tougher person but maybe not because it's still extremely difficult for me and we are god i don't know 15 years later 
Uh, I, I oh. think it's just those things that they, they deeply, uh, they're such a big part of our heart and, and our psyche and that, that when it goes that way that I don't know that, I don't know that it, that it ever leaves you because it's an adverse situation and it's then what do you, where do you go after it and what yeah. do you do? So now you're home, you're yeah. after this. We've, we've had the experience of driving down the road and that sense of having to get into the middle what then is going on with, with you as uh, uh, as a progression with with right. that your your work your interpersonal relationships, the effects that you're starting to notice more and more is it more frequent you know? Um, so I got out and I kind of dove into trying to have a personal life, uh, trying to have what became my wife. Uh, I started going to school. I started a band. Uh, I continued to drink. Still drank uh, a lot of alcohol. I didn't do anything other stuff substance-wise or anything, yeah. but alcohol, of course, that's what we did. It's, it's what I did. Uh, hanging out with friends, going to concerts, going to shows, hanging out, yeah. getting drunk, doing things, and it was just a natural thing. It wasn't like something I felt I was forcing myself to do. It wasn't something I felt like I had to do. It just it was happening, and it was still just as easy. You know, and it was just crown, having at it, and that's just kind of how I dealt with everything. Mm -hmm. So from 2004 to 2009 or so, I didn't really deal with anything. I had moments, and I had a lot of things. I had, would constantly have, and to this day, plenty of um, weekly uh, sleep occurrences, uh, nightmare kind of things like that, reliving sure. things, uh, and that never really went away but i just kind of dove into life and kind of ignored it for a while but it, there's nothing i could do to keep it yeah so um, when when you were diagnosed with ptsd mild to severe did you almost kind of feel like relieved now that you know what it is as opposed to just i don't know what's going on with me or did you know um i kind of the last year or so before i had the diagnosis i kind of knew like mm-hmm okay, these kind of seem like a lot of symptoms my friends were having right. across the country in other states. Sure. But um, without making it sound too bad, uh, my ex, she kind of would discount it. Okay. Go, okay. You know what I mean? She she wouldn't take it uh, the right way, I don't think. it was. There's always an excuse for something, and I was just doing this or that, and it was an excuse for something. But I would tell her, no, I, I promise you, I... I didn't forget this or that. I can't remember. Yeah. That's part of what the doctor told me. You have brain bruising, so you have memory loss. Right. Yeah. I'm not choosing to forget things just so I can make you mad. Right. You sure. know, it's just, it's part of the effect. So when I would found out and they showed me like these list of things, I was like, that makes total sense now. Right, right. Yeah. I didn't even realize it, never thought about it too much until the end. And that's when I was like, well, that makes all the sense in the world. Right. Right. Damn. So we're kind of at that point where um, you're finally getting some answers, at least on why you're having these effects. Uh, where's then kind of the turning point and some of the things that started to become a uh, positive towards as much as you can have a recovery, so to speak, from it? Because like you said, there's still effects at times that you have 
the moments and stuff. But when was it where where it was okay? I've got a full blown take this help and start turning my life around and heading in a di- different direction before I lose it in a mental and emotional capacity altogether. Um, around well, let's see, two thousand nine, I I divorced. Uh, my son's mom and a few years later I met my current wife who has become the best thing for me um, and since then we had a little baby girl which yeah. is my only girl and in a family of all boys <laughs> it's amazing yeah. um, but beginning with her uh, she she was the one that I should have married the whole time she's the one I wish I knew because sure. there's different kinds of people and my ex wasn't super big on military life didn't like it but my current wife uh she's the one that she would have been the best military wife and the best all of the biggest support she's been behind me for everything she's motivated me she's the one that pushed me with uh the va to to really get going with with the counseling and figure things out of how to make myself better or process things better mm-hmm. and not just get drunk and not just blow things off and and screw things up because you just don't care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So well, and with you because because of your your mental and emotional health, the, your physical health was headed in the wrong direction mm-hmm. too. I mean, um, you know, I, I think you had told me that, that there was days where it was just fast food all day. Or, yeah. Well, when I got out of the Marine Corps, I was two twenty five and I was pretty darn solid yeah. and in pretty decent shape. Uh, and at my low point. Um, I was about 385. Wow. And at some point, my wife convinces me to get the gastric bypass because despite having that hard marine mentality, I just could not succeed at the gym. Once I got past a certain weight, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't be consistent. Right. So I did the gastric bypass. I used that as a kickstart, you could say. And I went from 385 to 227 in like six months. Oh, wow. And got back into, I guess you could say, fairly normal shape. And I did CrossFit for like a year and a half. And I was training for a competition and I wanted to put on extra muscle. I met up with a powerlifting coach uh, who's my current coach still. And I became a competitive powerlifter at the age of 38 <laughs> and immediately set for California state records. And that's what I do now. And it's my escape yeah. and it helps me mentally to be positive and push myself. It helps me maintain a daily routine. I schedule my daily life around work and the gym and everything else fits in. And what what was it about that conversation that segued you from from doing CrossFit? Because I remember we we had had a conversation about it, and I was like, ah, oh, maybe I'll get down there with you. But then you're like, you know, I wonder if powerlifting is for me. What was it about that challenge that you know that it just seemed like that door that opened? It's like you know, not to be cliche, but you know, I'm gonna knock that door down right. and, and I'm gonna step into this new realm. Uh, and and it's not that you plan success so quickly, but you right. you gain success. So what was it about that conversation that enticed you to head in that direction? Um, what it was was uh, I was actually training for a CrossFit competition in Bakersfield, and I wanted I knew I needed more upper back strength, 
So I, I figured I'll pay a little extra money and I'll meet with a strength coach and I will specifically do what I feel I need to do so I can succeed. Mm-hmm. And I got to training with him and I thought, man, I really enjoy doing this a lot more than I enjoy running and <laughs> and stuff like that, yeah, pull-ups and you know, I, I like squatting and, and deadlifting five six hundred pounds off off the earth i like doing that i don't know why it's it's not super fun to a lot can. of people i was gonna say because you're pretty damn good at it five or six hundred pounds but i goodness. think it goes back to your competitive nature and challenge yes. nature and it's exactly. it, and it's an awesome thing that you've uh reactivated that yes uh, that part of your psyche and, and utilize that in a therapeutic manner as well as chasing goals and yeah and, you know one at a time um that's something that i've always done uh my wife will tell you from the beginning of our relationship, even though I was just fat and nasty, I always would try and preach to her. My Marine mentality was that I believe you always should be finding a way to progress. Yes. Whether it's with your uh, personal relationships or your home, if you want a nicer home, you work towards how do I get to that? A nicer car, how do you get to that? And so I was telling her from the beginning, because she came from a rough spot, and I was in a rough spot when we got together, and I told her I'd love to live a better life, and I think I can do that with you, and that's just how I like to live. Well, it's just kind of the same thing I apply when it comes to powerlifting. You know, I can bench press over 315. I'd like to get to 415. Well, how do I need to do that? Well, and so I work my life around a a, a pretty well-maintained uh, regimen of how do I get to that? So the next five to six months are all scheduled out for what am mm-hmm. I doing day to day in the gym to get to my goals? And that's what motivates me. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, David, one thing I, I, I want to know is um, along with the PS, PTSD, of course, you know, people that go through recovery have AA, NA, uh, you know, therapy, and, and of course, you know, those groups that I mentioned. Is there any kind of a PTSD group, and have you participated in any? If not, did it work for you? Did it not work for you? Or do you just find that doing what you're doing now, being in the gym and that challenge and the engagement, because, you know, you do have others that you work out with, kind of is, is that therapy that, it, that that's needed? Um, yeah, there are uh, there, there's support groups that are around um, – I haven't been to too many. Uh, I, I have no problem talking about my experiences. It, it doesn't bother me. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. you are sharing it with, with <laughs> we are. thousands of people. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I, that doesn't bother me. It's, 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 uh, but there's not too, too much, uh, you know, around here. I've, I've always found just, I need the therapeutic, um, the time. That's why I like going and lifting at four and five in the morning. There's nobody there. Yeah. And it's kind of my time to, uh, I don't want to say talk to myself, but, you know, I, I can empty my head out and yeah. get through the little bit of me time in my day where I don't have to worry about something work related or family or I can just kind of let it all out. And that works for me very well. Sure. Uh, the other thing that works well for me, which is not as often as I need it is actually spending time with other veterans right because i found that when i spend time with other marines or other veterans that have uh, been through combat or trauma it 
you find yourself sharing stories and laughing and interacting and, and you get along and it could be someone you never even knew. You just know that guy served just like you did. And you get along because you look at each other and you know. Mm. Yeah. And you know, I know you've been through some crap and yeah. I've been through some crap and uh, we can bond. Yeah. Ah, it's a brotherhood. Yeah. It's a brotherhood and for life. Gonna, yeah, you got that brotherhood thing going. Yeah. And that's the cliche. I <laughs> always hated it when people go, say that. Go but for it. it. Always become, it's, it's true. <laughs> it's true. You always have something that I know about, that you know about, that that other dude next to you doesn't necessarily know about. Yeah, I so, mean, it just... It, 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 there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. It's funny, the, the shit that we find cliche or we want to avoid or we find cheesy, and as you get older and start to get value uh, of different things in life, you kind of go, oh, I get it now, and I don't care who's got a problem with it because I totally get it, and yeah. I'm going to enjoy it. It's awesome. Yeah, one of, one of the things I've always thought of, and I love it, is... Uh, I could just meet you and we both know within the first few minutes that we were prior service and I can call you an asshole and you don't know me at all <laughs> and you won't get mad. <laughs> but the most random stranger will get probably a little upset, but I can say something derogatory to you right? and you'll get it. Yeah. And it's okay. It's those inside things. Yeah. It's those. It's 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 that. Hey, hey, we can we can talk to each other this way, but you can't talk to us, right? You know? Oh, that's too awesome. I love it. Uh, so, powerlifting's going on. Got a lot of positive things going on with the family, and and of course, you do have such a lovely family because I've been lucky to personally uh, meet and know these folks. And but you had some other goals and things that you would want to achieve, and I remember. Probably, if people haven't figured it out, David and I have had a personal relationship for a long time, and actually, you've seen me go through my phase of, of drinking and, and heading into uh, sobriety. Our love for fellow love for hard rock and metal, but uh, our kids went to the same school at the same time, uh, and I remember a couple of man, I'd really like to start my own clothing line. Yeah, and and, and now it, we're here. It's it's not everybody's dream, but it's mine. And it's a good dream. So, how, you know, when did it finally come to fruition? Um, I mean, were, were you and the missus setting money aside uh, for it? Or were you going to find, you know, get some extra cash by doing side work? I mean, how was it that you were just, A, convinced <coughs> the wife that, hey, I'm going to do this. You know me. I'm a goal setter. I'm going to go for it. And here's how I'm going to do it. And she was just like, okay, babe, you know, go for it. Right. Uh, well, funny story, short story, at my first competition I had, uh, they gave me the nickname at the competition of, you look like a big old mammoth, because I'm kind of a big dude, and uh, at the time I had a good sized beard, and so I just looked like a, a woolly mammoth, I guess. The woolly <laughs> thing never happened, they just called me mammoth. <laughs> Thank God, so, right? Right? Thank God. Hey, is that woolly mammoth seagull over there, man? Uh, you got me. <laughs> you got me. You got me. <laughs> You, uh, you sends of bitches got yeah, me every time uh, and so that it kind of stuck and my coach and my teammates on my powerlifting team they they kind of ran with that and i i accepted that as that that's my new uh nickname that was me and somehow along the line my wife convinced me uh 
to, to push it. And I always, I've always wanted to push a clothing line. I don't know why. I just always feel like I can succeed at it or, or do okay at it. Sure. And so I had been hustling some side money and uh, I, I just got to talking to a guy that does design work. And once I realized I can afford to get it off the ground or at least get it started, uh, it took a little convincing, but my wife said, okay, but you know, try not to use our money. And so, <laughs> and so I did, you know, I kind of got it started off a little bit of a side thing and it, it's pushed more and more and it's, it's growing a little. I've, I've sponsored a guy now that's a, a bodybuilder and he's nice. got a, a, a little following and. And what's the name of the, for, of the, uh, of the company and, and some details on it? The company uh, is called Mammoth Power Company. And you can find it on Facebook or Instagram or www.mammothpowercompany.com. And it's it's just comfortable clothing. Uh, it doesn't have to be for the gym. You can wear it for whatever the hell you want. But it's just, you know, comfortable clothes that I like, that I know how it fits. I know how it does or does not shrink. and How it functions for yeah. if you are active or not. It's I, I never wanted to put something out that uh, I didn't personally know. I, I don't buy the shirts uh, because they're the cheapest or the simple quality. Like mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to put it out unless I like it, right. and I know it's not garbage. So uh, I got the support from my family and my team, and people like it, and so that's what I do now. And I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of doing that, and out of looking for the next uh, uh, personal uh, level I can reach. Yeah. So that's just kind of where I'm at with that. Nice. Well, and it's it, it, it to me it sounds like too is that it builds a real sense of community too because as you're saying now you're you're sponsoring a, a bodybuilder and uh, you know I follow uh, of course they're on uh, Instagram and Facebook so I'm seeing folks that are wearing it they're posting pictures of themselves at the gym and so it's out of this almost unintentionally uh, as it continues to grow Mammoth Power Company. It's also kind of spawning people on for inspiration at the same time. Yeah, trying to, you know, trying to, uh, you know, like my wife had a full hip replacement uh, in her early 30s and, you know, trying to get her back into a physical state and, and push her. And uh, a lot of other folks have got folks that don't work out at all or uh, are trying to lose a ton of weight. And it, it you just got you got to start somewhere. Yeah. You know, you, you can't always tell yourself that you can't do something or, you know, I don't like people or, well, hey, I don't like people either. <laughs> you, know, you just got to do it. Uh, well, you do have a moniker on the shirts. What is it and where did that come from? Um, the main thing that I say is is, is our, our main hashtag is handle it. Hashtag handle, handle it. it. And, and I, I just believe that's something I carried over from the Marine Corps. You know, don't. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Right. Handle it. Get it done. Hell yeah. Don't, don't make excuses. Just handle it. That's awesome. And there's kind of a, a almost a twist of irony there too, being that uh, with powerlifting, you know, your hands are involved in a Very lot, a lot of the, the what you're doing, and so it's kind of yeah, it's clever at the same time, but it it, yeah. it really is. You it, know, you're just a put up, shut up kind of a guy. Exactly. It's 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 really simple. Just pick it up and put it down, Jason. <laughs> you know, it. Starting a company too, like that's probably pretty sick. When you see people out that you don't know wearing it, you know what I mean. That's yeah. probably got to be a pretty dope feeling too. Like, the, yeah, that's me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this the the 
biggest thing for me really was a, is actually was a couple days ago when I got the most random dude in Decatur, Alabama, and he sent me a message and he said, uh, I don't know why I haven't found you yet, but I'm so glad I found you guys. And he bought a couple shirts in Decatur, Alabama. Nice, dude. And I thought, man, that's the coolest shit. Hell yeah. <laughs> I didn't awesome. even know, I, I know there's other Decatur's, but I didn't know Decatur, Alabama even existed, but some dude out there loves my shit. And I just thought, you know, man, well, you know. yeah. There's something you come up with just here, wherever you're in your living room or whatever on a napkin. And now some dude in the other side of the country loves it. And he's rocking that shit at his gym oh, or yeah. in his supermarket. And someone might see it and like it and they'll look it up. And yeah. I thought that was the coolest thing. I don't care if it was $20 or $25 or whatever, but someone somewhere and he's going to love that shirt and wash it. And you can't wait to get that shirt back on. And it's just a simple dude over in Alabama. That's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. No, it, it meant a lot. I, that's why I'm loving it. And I'm at a small scale right now still, but it, I don't know, it's exciting. Yeah. Well, and it's it's great to see just a continual build for you of positivity and, um, you know, growth. Again, it becomes kind of a community. It becomes a movement. And, you know, that's what knocking doors down is about, is about being a movement and getting people a part of it and, you know, pushing forward your adversity, becoming a strength and and being okay with that adversity too and a part of accepting yourself, you know, because you, you don't shy away from it, um, which makes me want to close here by asking you, David, if there is anyone else be it themselves as an individual or they have a loved one that they're seeing is suffering from any effects of PTSD, be it, be it from, from service in the, in the military or some, so many of the other ways that PTSD can come about, what kind of words of encouragement can you give them? Um, honestly, it's, uh, it's easy just to talk. You don't need to uh, hide in your room you don't have to gobble down a bunch of pills. You don't have to just listen to what the VA says and just take all these antidepressants and just zombie out. You just talk to your friends, talk to your your, your mom, talk to your aunt. It, you don't have to even go for a beer. Just talk. Yeah, It's okay. It, it, you don't have to just uh, keep it to yourself. It, it doesn't cost anything to talk to me, you know? Just let it out. Just get there's, it off there's your chest. Nothing, yeah, there's nothing to hide. There, there's no benefit to uh, to kill yourself or uh, to not tell someone what you're really going through. Right. And I know it's easy. I guess you could say it's, it's easy to just say, well, just talk to someone. Well, yeah, really. Just talk to someone. Yeah. yeah. Because at the end of the day, the way I look at it is you know no matter what you personally believe i only have one chance because i could die tomorrow and that's it what i did today and that's it that's all i have left and yeah why live the rest of your life in fear or being suffering. afraid or suffering and just and just not enjoying your life hmm. i might not be a millionaire or I might not own multiple homes or something where you would consider someone uh, in the it, the normal consideration of uh, successful. Sure. But if you can be happy and satisfied with your life, 
then I think that's where you really want to be. And if you have all these doubts or if you have what you might think is PTSD, it's okay to go check it out. It's okay to go seek counseling or just talk to your friends, talk to your homies and just let them know how you're feeling. Yeah. You know, I, I am the first one to tell you, I hate cliches, but it is totally okay and respectable to talk. Yeah. And even if you have to find a stranger, talk. Yeah. It's, it's always far better than killing yourself and leaving your family with who knows what yeah. it left behind. And, you know, and nobody ever really knows. Yeah. And I can tell you countless times where I was super serious about killing myself. And for whatever reason, I didn't. And my life is pretty darn awesome now. Yeah. You know? And you fought for it. Yeah. And yeah. I, I went through a lot of crap for it. And I've been through a divorce. And I've been through rough times. And I've been through financially dire straits. And I'm in a good spot now. And it's not even financial. It's just I'm happy. I have a great wife and great kids. And I say hobby, I guess, that's turned somewhat successful into great positive points in my life to where I still have post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, and I still have, you know, I had bad dreams recently as a few nights ago, but it does not affect my life to where I will not push forward. Yeah. And you just cannot let it consume you. David, again, if people want to check out uh, Mammoth Power Company, uh, where can they go on uh, on the internet, interweb, and the, on, on, on the, the, old... the, the book face, and the right? Uh, right. Yeah, you can find uh, us on uh, www.mammothpowercompany.com. You can find us uh, at us on uh, Instagram or Facebook. Uh, we are all over. Nice. Handle it. Handle it. Handle it. Love it. David Siegel, man, thanks for joining us on Knocking Doors Down. Thank you. Knocking Doors Down. Real people, real stories, real life. Real discussions of life struggles, including addiction, relationships, finances, and more. But even more importantly, living with them, overcoming them, and conquering them. Celebrities, experts, and everyday people talk about how they were able to break through whatever life handed them by knocking doors down. New podcast episodes are available every Thursday. Subscribe now on the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio app, or at kddmediacompany.com. Thanks again, David Siegel appearing on Knocking Doors Down, and you can search him up, uh, Mammoth Power Co. there. And uh, Have you seen those pictures of him lifting? Dude, he's a stud. It's fucking insane, man. He is a stud. Shit looks heavy. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, some studs, we've got uh, coming up for you guys on uh, episodes this month, we'll have uh, Chris Opinski next week, CEO, a personal friend of Mikey's. He'll talk about uh, overcoming uh, his addictions, which uh, started pretty early on in life. Uh, it's really transparent about that story so we appreciate his time on coming on knocking doors down also we will have uh, later in the month tony hoffman hoff and if you have <laughs> not looked up tony hoffman make sure you do i mean from prison to the olympics this guy truly is a successful individual who went through so many different failures on his way to success really incredible story yeah to be who he is now uh to stand up for who he is uh he also has a great podcast too that you can look up uh, he was talking about uh, 
uh, dating a, a gal and the mom of this lady he's dating goes, uh, when are you going to get a real job? And it's like, this is my real job. Speaking of success, you see his car? Yeah. That's success, man. <laughs> that is success. Um, well, that's an item that's a sample of that's his success. That's an item of his success. Uh, yes. He's obviously done great things with his life, but that's yeah. definitely what caught my attention when he rolled up. I'm like, uh, okay. It, it, yeah, when he rolled up, he was in a very, very nice Mercedes, which he worked very hard for because you'll hear his story about uh, traveling 250 days a year to take his life lessons and help others not go down that same path of addiction, going mm -hmm. to prison and so on and so forth. He's just an incredibly insightful guy um, and just an amazing individual. And we'll also be talking to uh, Carlos Vieira as well. That's right. That's right. Carlos. Of course, founder of the 5150 Lifestyle brand, as well as uh, KDD Media Company, the Knocking Doors Down podcast. And uh, we'll get into racing and how that was so pivotal, uh, pivotal, pivotal, Pivotal. I, thank you. That word I can't <laughs> say. Pivotal in uh, his sobriety and that continued success. So we're definitely looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And if you have yet to uh, subscribe to the podcast on the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast app, Spotify, we're also on the iHeartRadio app by searching Knocking Doors Down, please do so. Leave us a review, a five-star review. It helps us climb up the charts, gets people more aware. Spread the word, share it. Follow us on social media by searching Knocking Doors Down. Become a part of the conversation. Let us know about guests, or maybe you are a guest that would want to appear on Knocking Doors Down. We'd love to hear your story and uh, possibly feature you here. And we've got so many, so many great people. And, of course, we can't forget Casey Johnson. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't know the name Casey Johnson, she was a part of the Columbine shooting, and she opened up to us her, her heart, her experience to share with others that go through um, all kinds of different tragedies and traumas, and hers is truly one of knocking doors down, overcoming so much hurt, fear. Oh, my gosh. Fear plays such a huge part in a lot of us in our daily practices and, and a preventative, really, from from chasing our dreams and goals. So she was just an amazing woman, and uh, we're very much looking forward to talking to her. Very much so. I can't even imagine the stuff that, I mean, that all of our guests have gone through, but this one in particular is just really, really heavy. Yeah. yeah. yeah but there's a bright light at the end of the tunnel, and that's what we always want to remind you. All right, Mikey, anything else? That's it. All right, keep knocking doors down. This podcast contains the views and opinions of the knocking doors down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors. Privacy is of the utmost importance to us. For those wishing anonymity, people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect confidentiality at the request of certain guests. This website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. In no way does 
listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with their content establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page. This podcast is owned by KDD Media Company.